Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, we're actually going to be stepping into part two of our most painful episode where we actually walk through our biggest financial regrets that we have been in. Uh, For everybody listening, we want you to share yours. So comment down below in this video or head over to Facebook and join the Facebook group, which is called Full Stack Business Owner Community. Uh, We're actually going to be sharing more of our pain over there as well. So be sure that you're in the group. But Charlie, before we give these people what they're listening and for, let's uh, cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. Let's jump on from this one. I want to hear your point number two. What's your second uh, financial mistake? So the second one, I'm going to I'm going to piggyback off uh, what you mentioned as your second point to relate to it. Uh, this is I'm going to group quite a few scenarios into one. So I reckon over the time of we'll call it a decade, I reckon I've actually come out quite well unscathed, but I've lost around fifty, maybe sixty thousand dollars in investing in what other people thought were great ideas. Where people had come, like I still remember. I was, I'm sorry, I'm laughing a little bit because I actually kept these off my list. I have heaps of these as well, but they didn't make the top three. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Continue on. Well, was, I, I, I had to mention it. I've got some other bigger pains, but I'm just like, I have to mention this one because it's so, it's so applicable to everybody. Like I still remember in my 20s, like catching up with a guy and it's just like, uh, I know a guy who sits on a board that knows a guy that, they, they're going to find a gold deposit or an oil deposit or whatever it was. Oh, it's got a great story. It's got when a great story. When it's got story. a great story, it's the best. And, and so then I was like, I looked at my bank account and I'm like, okay, cool. I got a decent amount of money in a bank account. You know what? I'll just throw like five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 at this. Whoop. And I'm like, if it doubles, great. If it goes to nothing, great. I'll just earn the money back. Yeah, I went to nothing. I'm like, damn it. And then I went and did the same thing with like some other shares, went and did the same. Like there was another tech company that I bought shares in like when they first came out and I was... Big story another day. Um, same with crypto. Hey, let's go and jump in on this initial coin offering. I even had a friend who had a coin offering. He's like, let's get in on this thing. I had a friend who opened an exchange. Let's go and get in on this thing. And like there's so much more. It's probably even more than 50. But it was like all of the decisions were based off not logic, not me going and understanding the economics that sit behind something or you, the utility that sits behind something or the probability of it actually happening based on my knowledge. It was just, hey, Grant, do this and you will win. And the people who were recommending these were not your massive punters, except for one. One was like a multimillionaire. He's like, buy this and it didn't work out. But to him, it was like a drop in the ocean. (laughs) To me, I'm like, oh, (laughs) like this actually kind of hurts. Did this, uh, so I'm really fascinated by this one. I'm in the same category. Did this teach you the difference between investing and speculating by chance? Completely. This this was the definition of investing versus speculating to the point where, so I haven't watched the news. Um, I kind of look at it now a little bit just to get fed some updates and sort of pick out the points that are actually relevant to me. But I haven't consumed news for a very long period of time. Since I was like 18 when Tim Ferriss came out with like the four-hour work week and he was talking about news consumption and everything. Like I just, I just cut it off. I'm like, I don't need this in my life. 
um, because I was such a big naysayer of everybody just because I got burned so many times because everyone's like, oh, let's go into this business together. No, nope. let's do this. Nope, invest in this. Nope, didn't work. And I, would just, I just got so burnt that I'm like, the only person I back is me. I can get myself through every situation and I've got more willpower, more ability and more grit than anyone I know and I will just brute force myself to success. Everybody else be damned, right? And that was like me starting off on my business career, which explains a lot about things that I've mentioned on this podcast before. I've just gone, let's just plow forwards. So it, it burnt me. And I actually took two steps back where I just said, well, no one's going to actually help me on this journey besides me. Or in actual fact, I'm like, now I lean into, well, who's done it before? How do I talk to them? What are the best questions for me to ask them and all these things? But I had to like go from a, like a standing start when everyone else is jogging. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. That's so interesting. I completely see like a lot of people take their investment advice from like barbecues, right? They, they'll, or they'll catch up with some friends and like, oh, he's just, you know, he's doing a development. Maybe I should do a development. And then they get way in over their head or the timing's out. Like, you know, someone did a development when it was the perfect timing to do a development. And then you get in at this like train wreck moment where everything's overpriced. Exactly. It's like it. I, a friend of mine shared this to me is like second that my family, whether it's cousins, uncles, aunties, and this is what he ref- referenced, he's like second they tell me about an investment idea, I need to get out. Sell it. It's, pro- it's yeah, probably not a was- bad strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he did the same with crypto. So he, he bought Bitcoin, he bought Ethereum, and like family was telling him, like, hey, have you heard about this? Have you thought about investing in this? And he's like, I've sold. I'm out. I'm done. Like this is he's like too inflated. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so – uh, but the, the big, biggest lesson for me on this is like, yes, there was a cash cost uh, allocated to it, which also had an opportunity cost and everything. But the point of speculating or just taking other people, like it's like, I call it like outsourced investing, right? Where I think like, they call it trust signals. It's like if, like if, uh, and I'll just use an example, like if Elon Musk invests things, like you automatically think, well, if Elon will do it, then it must be okay for me. Dogecoin and Bitcoin. Great. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like because when people don't necessarily understand something. So in the let's use crypto as the example. If someone doesn't really understand crypto, which I would argue ninety nine percent of people don't, Great. what do they actually use to develop a, a buying decision? It's like, well, ah, uh, look, my my mum invested in it and she made all this money. Well, then if I trust my mum, well, then I'm going to do this as well. Or if Elon bought it, then I'll bought it. And a lot of people get burned in this, like hard. Two. Two of the people that I know that made the most amount of money in crypto spent three to six months educating themselves before they put a dollar in. And I'm just like, yep. <laughs> like, there you go. Because I was like, ah, oh, like that, that is where you need to be at. And so, yeah. So my point w- was two on this. The first one was like, I actually got burned so much that I ran away from taking other people's insights and advice uh, across everything. Like I just stopped trusting people, whether it be business recommendations, business advice, like kind of stopped going to seminars and all masterminds and all these different things just because I felt so burnt by it. And so then this, and then the second one was obviously just, Hey, you can't just speculate off other people. You can't outsource. Can I ask you a question on this one though? Do you think that because of these, these experiences, that it actually had had you develop a bias into assets you can control. Because yes. I think for a lot of business owners, like let's pretend you, you had that experience on the gold mine or whatever it was, silver. I, I don't actually know what the mine was, but they didn't find what it was there and you lost your money. And you realize, well, you know, if I was there in Western Australia, I would have found that gold. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? uh, See where it come from? Yeah. And it's it comes back to that staying in your lane. 
right? What the hell do I know about like golden oil exploration? Nothing. <laughs> like, how would I even know that they're doing a good job or that they've found a pocket or anything like that? It's pure speculation. No, it's it's like, the story. The story. Oh, they always get it's, me. I'm like, listen to this thing. It's like, oh man, you don't understand. There's this guy and he's this, he's the ex engineer <laughs> at Google. Right, and he's oh, seen things he knows, right? And he's come out and he's got this new product because, like, Google can't build it because it's going to be a conflict to something they're already building. Yep. So, like, they're not going to build this because it would reduce the value of YouTube. So yep. he's come out and he's. I'm like, the story, <sighs> the story. But that, and so it, it really did. Like, uh, hence why I went back into I can control business, I can sell, I can market, I can deliver. That is what I'm going to do. Is I'm just going to back myself. Property has this attribute as well, right? This is one where you can like go to the actual thing and like, you know, renovate, develop. Like, interestingly enough, like I looked at investing in a property years ago, about that. It was 2006 is when I started looking. Um, but then I turned into business and I just said, well, I can control business because I didn't understand the different assets at the time of like property. Like I didn't look at property going, oh, I could completely manipulate this just the same as a business. I looked at business is the only thing I can control. I can change everything. I can do it all. That, that's it. Like that's the only way I'm going to win. Um, but uh, upon hindsight and talking to people, like totally can control this stuff. I would almost make the argument you can do it in all the assets. Like if you think of like, um, I know we've been going on a bit of a Carl Icahn um, just rampage at the moment listening to some of his. Yeah. He's a very interesting thinker. I enjoy when he does an interview. He's um, very, He just thinks differently. He's one of these people that thinks differently. Um but to the idea is like he's totally doing like I think he calls it activism or corporate raider. Corporate. So raider. these are like listed companies where he's going in and actually seizing control of a, a company to make changes that is listed. So like there are ways, and I'm sure the same exists in like other assets as well. Like in crypto, you could build a coin or build a tool on a coin to affect things. But it's it's a very very interesting thought here. Yeah, and he stays in his lane is like the, the key thing to this. Like speculation and things, investing in things I have no idea about is only going to lead to disaster. I'm just going to be sitting there holding the bag. Uh, what about your third one, Charlie? <sighs> you know, there's always a moment of sadness before I have to tell you one of these. <laughs> the minute of silence for the, for the lost money. All right, so um, I actually uh, was very fortunate, and I say very, very fortunate, where I was in the position where a property got presented to me to buy. So I had hired a buyer's agent, and they'd shown like I just had a really good win on a property with this buyer's agent, and then the second property they presented, like we were really happy, so we got a really good result on property number one. We said, let's go again, and then they're like, all right, property number two came up. They found a ripper property a really, really good property. And I want to describe this. This was a property someone um, had bought and then basically they were an older person, let's say, and they'd subdivided the block and built another a house on it. So it's a, they call it a splitter. So yep. there's an original old house and then in the backyard they'd actually built another full house. And I don't mean like a granny flat. I mean like a, a four-bedroom house. Yep. So the plan was for this person is that um, as they're getting older – they're going to rent out the other one to provide income. So they had the place paid off or paid off, sorry. Now, unfortunately, this person uh, either didn't want to live there anymore or they got into, I think it was medical condition where they couldn't live there anymore and they didn't actually complete the process. So they built the house but hadn't finished all the um, like splitting of titles, all the things that yeah. come into um, where the value was created. And for anyone that doesn't know is like if you build another, let's say you build a granny flat on, but you, you, can't, you can't just sell the granny flat. 
right? It's like one property, one title. Yep. But when you do this type of like subdivision splitter, you're now turning like one asset into two. And yep. there's an immense value in what you can do with that, which we may cover in another episode. Now, to make matters worse, I won't I won't share the location of this just because it's not my information to share. Um, but so there's a significant opportunity on the upside of the property. And I also know there's a, a government infrastructure thing about to start here. So my uh, buyer's agent's like, dude, he's like, they don't know what's coming. He's like, literally, there's about to be thousands of new jobs in this area, high paying jobs. There is not enough property to house all the people that are going to work in these jobs. You're going to acquire an undervalued asset into what's going to be a very strong ride. And I'm listening to this and like, again, we love a good story, don't we, Grant? Love a good story. Yeah. So I'm like sitting there and this deal's coming across. I'm like, oh, you know, and I got fearful and we said no. I was looking at the business environment and there were things going on in business that were making me feel uncomfortable at this time. So I was looking at this going, if I take this amount of money out of this bank account and put it into the deposit of this property, and there was also some works to do to complete the subdivision. Of course. That I'm going to be actually well below my um, comfortable level and that I'm going to miss out. Uh, or, like if things keep getting worse here like or something doesn't go well, is like this could actually take us down. Yeah. Now, completely yep. unjustified. Uh, just to be uh, really clear on that, like s- buffers so high, it was like I'm <laughs> talking like I, yeah, Charlie Buffer. And uh, if you haven't listened to that previous episode about Buffer, you you will know that I am. Charlie Buffer's a crazy. I'm a conservative guy, <laughs> but I'd re- like really built up this narrative that if I put, I think it was like a couple of hundred thousand dollars into this house, that it's like I was going to be like I won't sleep at night. Because you know, business could all just end. And yep. like, do you do you ever have that fear? Even know that you've it's completely unjustified. But do you ever have that fear that it's like this could all just crash? Definitely, definitely. That's how I was feeling. Yeah, I uh, was. I, I lost my confidence, Grant, and I was. Uh, so I pulled out of that deal, and I was sitting there. And then, do you know what happened? Business turned around in the next week. Things are good, making more money than ever, and I, the deal was gone. <laughs> no. So you knew it was a good deal at the time. You were just looking at the other, like what was going on in the business and just going, you know what, risk mitigation. I can, I need to protect my business at, at right now because that'll earn me money and then I can go and look after other opportunities and this op- opportunity similar to this might pop up again. Okay, so I'll, I'll paint the picture is that, um, so just bought an investment property, okay, had a really good result on that. I did definitely notice less money in my bank account yeah. because we put money into the uh, like deposit. Okay. And that was new for me. And I, I was, we still like, I got the house revalued and it's like, wow, we're doing really well here. But I didn't have the experience in dealing with that emotion. Mm. Then when we got to the second one, right, what I was like uh, very uh, aware of now is like, I was just having a tough month in business. We were having a great year, but that one little moment in time where that month was hard. I extrapolated that and said, well, this is what it's going to be like forever. Yep. Like I or, let that one month rock me. Or prepare as if it's going to be like that forever. Yeah. And the, re- the reality is, is like, you know, we all have ups and downs across the year. The danger is thinking that whatever moment you're in is going to be permanent. Like even in the good months, like we've just had a really good month. And I look at this and go, you know, you've really got to balance yourself a little bit here. Don't get stupid and thinking every month's going to be like this and then yep. becoming wasteful. 
or like uh, overspending because you think this is always going to stay that way. So like I have, like I try to uh, zoom out is what I call it. So after that situation has happened, because I've know I know that you've done a lot of investing probably since that scenario has happened. Have you seen a similar situation to that where you're like, cool, the business is down in comparison to previous months. Uh, this month, uh, the buffers are good enough. And then an opportunity has been shot across your desk and you're like, no. Or have you learned from it and gone, no, I'm, I'm going to back myself and I'm going to go into this one. Or have you just not seen the situation happen again? That's a great question. I love this question because there was a lot I took from this that I bring into place is like, I realized that the way I was going about property investing at that point was just more accumulation. Like there wasn't a really good, yeah, I was like, I don't know where I need to end up with with the net worth and goals, but I know where I am today isn't enough. So let's just get more. Right. So no clarity around having an actual plan or knowing what a good result looks like for me. So we developed a plan. The second thing is, is like, I like rules because I think rules protect me from me. So I looked at that and said, well, okay, if the bank account's here, we're good. If the LVRs on the portfolio are here, we're good. If the cash flow is here, we're good. And like I developed a set of things that would remove as many emotional decisions as could be from there. Um, and I think we may have done a previous episode to cover that more de- in depth. Yep. But I think anytime you can bring like a clear goal so that you can decide if an investment either gets you closer towards that goal or doesn't, or if you're taking on obscene risk or not taking on obscene risk, I think it can make a really good difference. Because otherwise I just get excited by every story, like every mining town and government infrastructure process. I'm like, bye! He's got Charlie's money sitting in it. Um, It's propping up the economy. Yeah, like I know uh, it's funny. People will often tell me that I'm a really like balanced guy at times. And like, you know, I often like, you know, I think and – yeah, under the surface here, like I, a good story, I'm, I think I'm worse than anyone. I just think I've got better at dealing with it. <laughs> that uh, Great takeaways. Actually, did I not send you in an apartment block last week? I'm like, we should buy this and renovate totally. it. And then I was like, oh, this actually makes no sense. It doesn't help either of us. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, the, I'm sitting there going, dude, we could totally do this. <laughs> and I'm just like... I still, I still remember us talking about other properties as well. And you're like, why are you so bullish on this? What am I missing? <laughs> well, that's, that's anyway, the, the, the one other thing I'd come back to, and I think many business owners will be able to relate to, is like, do you remember when you hired your first uh, staff member or team member? Yes, I do. And like, you don't know how to be comfortable with it and you're watching the money you pay them and you're like, should I hire another one? Is this going to work out? That's how I felt with... Uh, property, right? I hadn't like where if you go to today, it's like, Grant, if we hire another employee, it's like, um, I value them as people. This comment will come out horribly, but it's like, I just don't have that emotional reaction. I'm like, cool, mm. let's add another person. Like, it's just like, it's another person. We need more team. Like, it's just, yep. it's normalized the experience of having team where in this world it was like, okay, I need to, I'm now normalized to the idea of what it is to own property, property and the responsibilities. Like, I'm not as concerned about my deposit being locked and what if I need to sell it? All those happen, things that, or like, it needs it. to look like something that I want to live in. It needs to be in a location that I would love to live in, and all those kind of things. You just detach yourself until it's just another one. It's like a notch on a belt. It's just another one that's there. Happy days will continue moving forwards. All right, I did also check the value of this property. Though. I don't do it. Oh, you did. I, did. I um, was looking at it from here. So, like, there was easy. I'm going to talk easy. Half a million dollars of profit. I can't believe in that. That's. The second I make a decision, I try not to look back unless I have to think about it. Like I just, 
that's pain. Not to I mention, uh, just to repeat the point, government projects, long-term jobs, secure and stable jobs in this environment. I can't, you know, I can't think of where I would want to own a property right now with all Besides this going that. on in the world. Like maybe where people can afford to pay rent and want to rent homes there. Anyway, not bitter about that at all. I was going to say, like, I don't, you don't have a chip on your shoulder at all, Charlie. You've moved on very well. It's, actually, do you know what? I really need to check myself on that comment because, like, things have worked out well. <laughs> so I was going to say, like, really? Would that half a meal have actually really helped you that much? <laughs> all right. Do I mind? Maybe. Do I mind I'll say one? maybe. I, I, I'll say maybe. You know, it would have been nice. Anyway, let's do it. Number three for Grant. All right. So this, this one's an interesting one. So uh, the preface to this story, and this is a long-winded story, so I'm going to sort of extract out some to get the actual lesson uh, to it. So I was very fortunate. Uh, one of the software companies that I had built got to, uh, I'll be transparent, it got to about $5 million valuation. And I know it was $5 million valuation because I sold 5% of my equity for a quarter of a million dollars, which is awesome. Um, to which I went and took 200 grand and loaned it to a software company. <laughs> and uh, this was in 2015, which is awesome. So nothing quite like going, cool, I'm going to, take out some money because at that time, funnily enough, I was actually going to invest in a property. So I'm like, great, I'm going to sell some equity. I'm going to diversify and I know exactly what I'm going to do with this money. Happy days. And then I'm like, I can totally help this business grow. Use 200K. Can, can I ask a question on this? Was this the time when you, sh- I think you were showing me like some property or development in like Geelong or something That like is that? exactly what I was doing. <laughs> that is exactly what I was doing. So I went, I went and did what I always do, which is go, go and buy a watch to mark the occasion. Like, cool, went and sold equity at, uh, in a company at $5 million valuation. Happy days, high fives all around. What am I going to do? You and I caught up. Hey, this is still long. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I, st- I still wish that I bought it. Um, so then, anyway, invested it in this business. It was going to be a very short payback term. I scored a little bit more equity in the business because I had put the money in. Uh, and so, Charlie, transparently, it is what – middle of 2022, and uh, seven years later, they still owe me about 110000 of that, 200000 to which it is just sitting there depreciating. So every time we get informed of in- inflation going up, I just go, this money is just dropping. So, uh, yes, <laughs> it's not document like it's documented on paper, uh, but there's no interest rate attached to it in that documentation. It was like it was almost like a promissory note, like an IOU, and it was meant to be like a three to six to nine months, um, and it turned into seven years so far. Ouch. <laughs> so, uh, and it's funny because this wound was actually reopened literally two days ago when I spoke to my bookkeeper <laughs> as he was going through my book saying, what is going on with this thing? And I'm like, ah. Oh, Man, <laughs> you know, before we before we unpack that, I think first I should we should acknowledge that you actually were able to sell a uh, stake in a company and actually take a win, right? Fair, that, like, that is fair. Like very few people ever get to that point. I do think it's an awesome achievement, and you should be very very proud of that. It's like I haven't done that, and I think it's something that is uh, quite notable. I'd put it on my resume. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Sold equity in said business. Yeah, it's an, yep. it's like something on the business journey to be proud of right i think there's all these things we uh, are fortunate enough to be able to get up to up to that we should mark those occasions like i think if anyone sells a company should be another one like to yeah, complete the trilogy to, to uh, build grow and then sell 
is like, I think, really, really cool also. Um, but the second part of this is that this is a really fascinating from my point of view is because you look at it and go, I literally remember the property you showed me in Geelong, right? And you were talking about all these things at the time, which I have no idea if it was a good investment or not. Uh, I can only speak that Geelong's done pretty well in the last I, seven I years. I deliberately so. have not looked. <laughs> I don't, Geelong's dead to me. Like, I just don't look at Geelong anymore. We could just wrap it out on the map, right? It doesn't exist. I, th- I feel like it's a pretty strong economy as well. It's not like it's going anywhere from what shut, I understand. Shut but up. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, the other side of it though is like when we look at, it's that's one side of like the opportunity cost. But the other side of it is that you've re-kicked your bias in to invest in another software company. And then it's like on the trust thing again. Because you've trusted the people, believed in the opportunity, all the things that come with it is that we didn't put enough rules in place. Yep. We, like there was uh, like a double whammy on that one, which I know uh, you're probably like, Charlie, stop talking about it now. Like, No, no, no. I am. You know the worst thing? If I did not sell that equity, which I went and sort of basically invested, uh, the, it, the value that it would have in that company now is more than doubled. Oh, is that a trifecta of pain? <laughs> A trifecta of pain. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, Charlie. It's just like just slapping this guy all around. Um, so yes, it, it, this one is. It was actually at the top of my list of like the pain, but it, it is. It has well rounded me a lot in regards to sort of how I perceive investments, how I document things, how I look at paybacks, how I focus on cash flow. Um, Profit shares, all these different things, like is basically built around such a big pain from 2015. Is this the biggest financial of the list? Is this it, the one? It ha- yeah. So it has been one of the biggest financial impacts. Like it's been one of the biggest financial slap arounds that I've had. Um, noting that, like, it, it'll get paid back, but it's just depreciating upon depreciating. Um, so it's like it's it's not great, and they've they've done a couple of things in kind along the way uh, to help me out and stuff like that. But it's just. It hasn't been representative of like the opportunity cost that's been lost of me, either me investing in Geelong or just leaving the equity there. And like the thing that I just keep telling myself is like I, I, I took some equity out. That's a win, right, where a lot of people sort of might have held the bag and it might have gone down, might have gone up. It, obviously, this one went up and hindsight's a, a killer of a thing. But yeah, I'm just like, I just have to go, well, at least I got some money out and I know they're going to pay it down and all these kind of things. Like we're actually in discussions at the moment to pay it down and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just like, ah, Charlie. <laughs> all right. So if you could go back in time, what would you do? Yeah. See, that's an interesting point. I would have not invested it back. Like I would not have invested it back into a software company. Like I would have taken the cash, diversified into a property, um, especially now the more that I know about property investing, um, like – yeah, I, I would not have done that because it, it would have it would have sent me into a better trajectory back like what's that seven years ago um, than where I am now. Like it's so yeah. Th- this one was uh, at the time because I'm I am a very nice person. I get it from my mum. She's very yes 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 to inflict self pain on herself. <laughs> like and so I I used to do that and I'm not so much anymore, but it's much of a, hey, like you need some help. No, no worries at all. And I was very fortunate that I earning money was never a big problem for me. So cool, I'll go and earn more money. I trust you to pay it back and all these kind of things. And it's just like, yeah, cool, situation after situation. And I'm like, damn. Do you know what I find interesting? Um, don't get me wrong. I hope people listen to this episode and go, cool, this list, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> just right. don't do what Charlie Grant did. Like- yeah, learn from it. But I think there's a um, – 
interesting different way to think about this. And I do wonder when I uh, listen to your three and then kind of reflecting along the way on my own, do you not feel that without these experiences that we probably wouldn't be where we're at today? Definitely. They're like shaping. Like it's important to have some hits along the way because if it was all wins, what would you have actually learnt and grown from? But you and you also wouldn't know what to celebrate. Like you wouldn't know what a win feels like. Like now, when I win big, I go, "Oh yeah, buddy!" Like I, it's like because I'm like because I know what pain feels like. I know what being kicked feels like. I'm like I just want to avoid that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's very very interesting. All right, let's wrap this one up. We've uh, gone way over what I thought this episode was. We're probably going to have to break it into two parts. But it is a two Do you know parts. what? I'm stealing a little bit here. It's like I am dying to know what other people have done. So if you're watching this on YouTube or you're in the Facebook group, please um, leave us a comment and let us know because I think these stories, there's so many powerful insights and impacts that can come from it. Yeah, and sharing it with other people is the way that they learn without feeling the pain as, as well. And there's so many different situations. Like we've shared six completely different situations and there's thousands that are out there as oh, well. I think we could do another six each as well. Oh, sorry, Jeez. three each, six total. But I, I built a list of 11 and like I covered like three. <laughs> but um, for everybody tuning in, be sure that you are subscribed, uh, whether it's on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify, uh, as we do drop these types of episodes to help you build wealth inside and outside of your business. And if you do want to join the conversation, as Charlie said, comment below or head over to the Facebook group. It's called Full Stack Business Owner Community. Talk to us in there. And again, just share the pain that you have felt because I would love to not be the only one with Charlie feeling this pain. Um, And I just want to say thank you again for joining us. And we look forward to catching you in the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner.